0: It's almost as if the finance has had a personality change due to <laughs> the external circumstances. I think that's what you're saying.
1: <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And I think there there are also elements, I mean other elements to it. I think, you know, certainly the technology and using the technologies plays a vital role, right? How do we use AI, machine learning, um, mm-hmm. you know, utilize data-driven insights for our strategic decision making? Um, but I think more importantly, and Elaine, I guess you will also agree with me on this, is we need to also think of the most important assets that we have our people. So, any change comes with, you know, if we're not managing to bring our people along, we'll not be successful.
0: Hello, and welcome to the latest episode of Heads Talk with me, Elaine Pringle Schwitter, the podcast where we talk to C level executives, leaders of institutions, and heads of multinationals. What are the current topics they talk? We listen. <laughs> Can you imagine getting into a business or a market where you actually spend a hundred billion
1: plus on a piece of paper? Are you kidding me? It was like a frying pan of the head. I got nothing against CFOs. It was not just the job of a lifetime, it was the job of a thousand lifetimes.
0: My guest today is a financial C-suite in the healthcare sector. And I've had nearly two decades in the industry, working across a number of geographies and continents. An exciting episode ahead today on Head's Talk with a leader from one of the biggest pharmaceutical organisations in the world. But before we get into that, here is a brief message. U.S. Private Capital Forum, GoReal 2023, launched now with on-demand sessions offering attendees the utmost flexibility to access industry-specific content and deals on their terms. It will bring together over 100 speakers from across Europe over a broad agenda covering private equity, venture capital, real estate and private debt. For details, visit www.usforum.org.
1: Let's talk podcast with your host, Elaine Pringle-Schwitter.
0: Nicholas Cruz is the Director of Finance and Operations, UK, Ireland and European agencies for Roche Diagnostics. He's a seasoned finance executive with nearly 17 years experience in the healthcare industry. His passion for driving value through finance has led him to take on leadership roles in various cultural contexts, including Germany, Switzerland, China, the US, Finland and the UK. His experience has shown that regardless of the culture, people are keen to deliver impact. And unlocking their potential is what Nicholas is passionate about. We are going to, to hear more about Nicholas' passion subjects and about the world of the CFO within the healthcare sector. Let's now have a conversation. So without further ado, I'd like to welcome Nicholas to head's talk. Many thanks for being with us today. Hello, Elaine. Excellent um let's start with you providing my listeners with an update of your current status this is a fairly recent change am i right in saying this you've moved from what to what
1: exactly so i've just actually moved physically like six weeks ago from finland to the uk um so have been in the role roughly two months um so yeah it's 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 fairly new that's true
0: okay so how's it going just generally how's it going i from Finland
1: to the uk So, generally, I have to say, I'm not new to the UK. I've been working in the UK back in 2015 to 2018. So, the environment is familiar, and I'm actually glad to be back uh, in the sense you really enjoy, have enjoyed my time back then. But of course, you know, moving into a new role, um, there are always lots of exciting things to learn. And uh, I'm certainly finding myself to enjoy that uh, journey with, with all my colleagues and teams together. Yes.
0: Excellent. Excellent. Okay. I want to dive into the meat of this conversation and begin with um, a very catchy phrase that I hear and read about quite often, um, but want someone like you, a financial specialist, to tell me exactly what does this mean. The phrase is the future of finance. So what does that mean to you?
1: Well, and and in the end, it's, you know, that's what I, how I see the future of finance. And I think finance has really come a long way from, and maybe let me try to paint a picture here of a person, you know, certainly stereotyping maybe and exaggerating a bit, but historically you could see an image of an introvert that is, you know, only sitting behind the screen doing accounting and isolated analysis. But I think that's really passing. Don't get me wrong. We still need accountants. We still need analysis. But I think it's really much more about steering organizations more strategically and play a direct role in the customer interaction. And maybe just to, to add on to that is to the importance of fines in playing a direct role in delivery of value to patients and customers, as well as other internal and external stakeholders, I think will continue to increase. Mm. Um, there, there, are some elements, you know, that, that we look at when we look at finding future funds, um, you know, and really that involves transformation, um, transformation of the function, you know, to become custodian of performance, steering certain activities, um, resource allocation and really from an enterprise level to to achieve our strategic um, objectives.
0: Mm-hmm. It's almost as if the uh, finances had a personality change due to <laughs> the external circumstances. I think
1: that's what you're saying. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And I think there there are also elements, I mean, other elements to it, I think, you know, certainly the technology and using the technologies plays a vital role, right? How do we use AI, machine learning, um, mm-hmm. you know, utilize data-driven insights for our strategic um, decision making? Um, But I think more importantly, and Elaine, I guess you will also agree with me on this, is that we need to also think of the most important assets that we have our people. So any change comes with, you know, if we're not managing to bring our people along, we'll not be successful. Mm -hmm. And I think in this I'm convinced that, you know, progressive leadership showing the vision where we're going, architecting an environment where people can thrive and contribute, but also to catalyze the change. By removing roadblocks and coaching people to come along this journey is is paramount to be successful in this. Oh, so there's a, there's a there's a lot of
0: add-ons into that role, which we will probably dive in in greater detail later in this episode. Um, I, I'm not sure if you are familiar with Heads Talk and what it's all about. Um, but sometimes, well, most times, they want to know what's happening in the boardroom. I want to get behind the thoughts of C-suites, in particular, executive C-suites. Since COVID, um, a lot has changed and impacted um, leadership and the delivery of it. I, I want to know first, first, how, in your opinion, does a, a financial healthcare leader, a CFO, differ from the other sector leaders, especially in today's digital post-COVID world? Do they differ, that is?
1: So, I mean, I guess one thing in general is, you know, how do, does a financial healthcare leader different? I think how I would see it, a financial healthcare leader should be really focused on patient outcomes and understand the impact, you know, to our customers in the end. And, and as such, they need to understand, you know, how complex regulations um, are impacting the performance, but also consider other uh, unique challenges such as um, tender practices or reimbursement decisions that are you know, prevalent in the healthcare ecosystem. Mm-hmm. If we're not talking more about you know, post-COVID world and the digitalization, I mean, obviously, there are elements that apply to many industries like you know remote working. And I think something that I, I just had to think of when you asked that question is what really improved and eased my working day is our ability to sign digitally. I mean, there were so many contracts before, you know, and you need to be physically co-located to be able to sign. Mm-hmm. Now we're using digital tools that help us to do that. And I think that is not only helping us to make sure the right person is signing, but also really increases the speed. Um, if I think more specifically uh, about the healthcare sector, mm-hmm. in the end there was a change in, in also patient behavior, right, I think telehealth. You know was was got a much greater mm-hmm. acceptance. Um, and I think also we were more and more looking into remote monitoring solutions, for example, if we think about diagnostics. And I think this actually offers an opportunity um, to companies like Rush that are committed to really innovate mm-hmm. uh, in the digital space and try to help digitize healthcare for the benefits of our patients and overall society.
0: Mm. It's interesting that you know when I ask you about how does a financial healthcare leader, you know, a CFO different In the healthcare sector as opposed to a a different sector. You you talked about patient outcomes, you talked about diagnostics. But if I was um, a financial CFO in another sector, I would say the equivalent for me would be customer satisfaction.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And I think what I sometimes do is, you know, if there are certain critical decisions to make, I, I think of, okay, what would a patient say, right? If he was sitting in the room, what would the patient say? Mm-hmm. And that sometimes just helps to get the perspective right.
0: Mm-hmm. All right. Okay. Right. Um. Uh, uh, one thing I noticed, or a uh, thing that I, I noticed quite heavily, um, when I started the prep for our conversation, um, is the Roche proud" hashtag. I know you are talking on a, a personal capacity here for this episode. However, it's everywhere. It's everywhere online. I see it all the time. Um. People in your organization are using it. What does that hashtag mean
1: to you? Well, again, you know, talking about me, but I think also for, I can can probably think many in in the organization think like this. I think it really embodies our dedication to innovation, collaboration, and, and really improving lives through cutting edge diagnostics and personalized healthcare solutions. And I think equally important to me is that we're doing all this while mm-hmm. ensuring that we make a positive impact on the world around us, right? So, social value um, is, is is a key topic there. You know, how do we help communities to thrive? How do we take you know environmental matters really seriously and addressing social inequalities?
0: Okay, you, you, you've touched upon it. So let's go straight into it. It's a it's an area of work that is very important to you because when we talked about having you on the. the program that's something that you really wanted to talk about you mentioned this and i wanted to understand all about it and why this has such a relevance to you in a corporate setting but first in general why is social value important in business perhaps remind my listeners what is your understanding of social value first and then why is it important in business
1: so i think social value um you know, is is vital to really because we can align business goals actually with the societal impact, and you know, foster long term sustainability and ethical practices in business in general. And and if we talk about social value, it's really about incorporating both um, CSR, which is corporate social responsibility, mm-hmm. as well as ESG, which is environmental, social, and governance factors into decision making, so mm-hmm. that we create you know value for stakeholders. Actually, this also helps us to even attract investors and contribute to addressing global issues like climate change and social inequalities.
0: Mm-hmm. All right. And now um, let's talk specifics. What role should the finance function of an organization play in achieving social value? How are you leading on this?
1: What are you doing? So I think maybe, maybe to add on why it's also important for us in the UK is that um, in the UK, there has been lots going on space. So, so there was the Social Value Act back in 2012, um, which actually asked public bodies to consider um, social value in their procurement practices. And now just in 2022, NHS has released its net zero and social value policy. And I'm really glad to see that social value is now reflected in NHS tenders and is right. rated with a minimum of 10%. So that already shows you the importance of social value in business now as well. And I'm very proud that Russia has historically taken their role within society very seriously, and that we're now seeing this in in in, in this business. I mean, it, it just shows we we're actually already now leading the space. Mm-hmm. Um, so you're talking about finance specifically, and you know, as we are linking the the success of the organization to a potential win of a tender, I think it's showing us that we, as an organization in general, have to look at it. Finance, I think, can can help to um, in a variety of ways, you know by allocating resources, um, measuring the impact and really supporting initiatives that had social value, you know, tracking um, and, and reporting non-financial metrics related to us as an example. Mm-hmm. And if we talk about finance in a more broader view as well, procurement plays a crucial role, right? If we incorporate um, social value factors in supplier selection, for example, you know, that can help us to make huge impact. Mm-hmm. Establishing green policies, such as you know electrifying our fleets, is another another example. And um, as I personally also lead supply chain and facilities for the Rush, uh, Rush diagnostics UK, there's a huge role that these functions can play as well. You know, mm-hmm. thinking about. Mm-hmm. Environmentally friendly packaging, transportation practices, and you know the the reducing carbon footprint of all our buildings, for example.
0: Mm-hmm. I, uh, I asked the question: um, What role should financial function play, and how are you leading on this? Another question I had in mind was: Who should be responsible for this? In your answer, you talked about the procure, um, procurement. So I'm assuming there's an element of seat, there's this, the chief procurement officer doing work in that sense. You talked about operational stuff, so. It's pretty much the whole organisation um, is doing their bit or should be doing their bit um, in order to achieve um, the, the
1: social value, right? You got it, Elaine. I think in the end, it's everyone in the organisation. I mean, of course, top management, right? I mean, they in and, and our leadership team, that's what we did. Together with some really internal, externally subject matter experts for shaping the vision and strategy around it, but in the end, every single employee plays a crucial role in really implementing and supporting the initiatives and getting traction on social value, absolutely.
0: Mm-hmm. And, and and what are the results of implementing successful um, social value initiatives? Can, can you just give us an example of this? or What does it look like for my listeners?
1: I think, I mean, I think personally, honestly, it's really exciting because um, in the end, what, what I found when I came here, I mean, Rush has historically been really already Engage in many initiatives that help help local societies and really was em- environmentally very aware of their activities. So we had we have a great base to work from. And prioritizing social value leads really to increased stakeholder trust, rep- reputation. And actually, research has shown that you know sustainable companies have a greater long-term business success and and will build you know more resilient and, and innovative organizations. So I think th- these are more maybe more high level um, mm-hmm. uh, topics, but mm-hmm. as I said, as we're moving now into this being really reflected in tenders, it will become very concrete, you know, when the first readouts of these tender mm-hmm. results are being published.
0: Okay, um, we've talked about social value and we've talked about it, as you've used the word clinical, in a, in a clinical sense, in a business sense, in a, a logic sense, in a sense that we can understand what needs to be done, why it needs to be done, who does what, who's leading on what, how is it done, what do the results look like? But I'm asking you, you, Nicholas, Nicholas Cruz, why is this so important to you? Why is this such a passion project for you? Because I know I could not do this episode without including this bit of the <laughs> this topic in it. So I really want to know from you, why is this so important?
1: Well, I, I guess it probably stems from I've been raised in a way that you know, my parents were very aware of, you know, their impact to society to environmental matters. I mean, we've always uh, looked to source local ingredients, you know, and Mm -hmm. and so I think it's probably something that I've been brought up with. And I think I can now use this passion that I got in really making a bigger impact through my role as well. And I think with Russia, I have found an organization that has the same values in driving these, this agenda. So I think this is really what makes me passionate, and where I want to um, really catalyze the mm-hmm. the mm-hmm. more responsible as an organization, and and also, I mean, what I find even in younger generations is this is really becoming a super important topic for them. You know, maybe even more important than salary in, in some aspects. So it's a great way to attract and retain talents as well.
0: Mm-hmm i think I think it's really important to the the gen Zs and even the millennials because yeah. they are putting their money where their mouth is in terms of what they're investing in where they're investing, and the credentials of i don't know the organization or where they're putting their their investment the the green credentials I should say, so I think that's that's good in a way and, and i assume you're seeing a lot of that
1: yes, definitely I mean we actually had a graduate um event just a few weeks back and i think the one thing people really were talking about is, you know exactly social value aspects and i think it was super energizing to the whole organization that was part of that event to to see how how young people are passionate about this topic and also mm-hmm. how they could find this within mm-hmm. the rush values
0: mm-hmm. excellent excellent and i suppose it's fantastic and it goes without saying that you're lucky to have the the Roche values aligned with your values and passion. So it makes it a lot easier for you to do and go forward delivering the way you want to deliver.
1: Yes, absolutely.
0: Excellent, excellent. Let's talk about tech. Let's talk about the the tech in business, in particular financial tech technology. Um how has fintech shown up um with the work you are doing? I've just clapped them, but you know, how has fintech shown up in the work you're doing?
1: So I think I, I maybe have touched on it in the opening, right? That I think in tech and, you know, advanced technology is is really paramount and important for us to achieve the future of finance. And I mean, it has, it has begun to emerge in some aspects in our financial operations, mm-hmm. like, you know, automatic payments and things like this. But mm-hmm. I think personally, I believe there is still significant potential for growth and development in, in, in developing this area. Mm-hmm. I specifically, um, Artificial intelligence and machine learning—how that can help us to do financial forecasting, data analysis—but yeah, yeah. also robotics, right? How can that help us in more mundane areas of the business? To yes, yes, yes,
0: yes. And and we do know that fintech has many tentacles. We, you know, regtech, wealth tech, um, legal tech, that sort of stuff. So yeah. um, when we say in tech we're talking broadly, but I assume your talk, your answer is all about and reducing mundane activities, and also AI um, providing um, forecasting that you perhaps the the human brain is not as a, equally as equipped to do in yeah. such a way.
1: Yeah. As, as you said, I think you know it's about on one hand you know big data, how we can manage big data, but then yeah. on the other hand, I think you know with the JetGPTs of today, or you know other. AI um, innovations, we're seeing really the potential of these solutions, how they can revolutionize what we're doing. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I think before it's much more of, you know, you need to tell the, so the technology exactly what to do to get the benefit. Mm-hmm. We're now moving to, it just needs some input and then it creates something that, you know, potentially is more inspirational and, and greater than what you would have done as an individual not better or worse, but, you know, it just triggers maybe different thoughts. And I think that's the, that's also another um potential that I see besides just the efficiency yeah, aspect of, yeah, you know, yeah. reducing certain yeah. repetitive activities. So,
0: so while you talk about the, the excitement of it, are there the opposite? Any concerns with AI and machine learning in terms of its capabilities and the impact it has on um finance function roles?
1: I definitely see more of the potential and the threat, to be honest, because I think, you know, as I, as I alluded in the beginning, you know, I think fines will be will take a very prominent um, seat and is already taking in receiving organizations, adding value. So I, mm-hmm. I don't see that, that, you know, there will be job cuts if that's what, what you know, somebody could think of. I mm-hmm. think really it's, it will enable us to focus on more value adding activities and mm-hmm. take away some of the stress out of the system. Mm-hmm. Um, but at the same time, I mean, to be very honest, I think sometimes it's almost a bit scary when you see what these technologies are able to do. Is like, you know, where are we going? Because the development over the last decade has yes. been just yes. crazy.
0: It 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 has. It's really exponentially growing. And that's why I, I often ask the question to the guests, why you're excited about the development and why you're in awe of what it can achieve and what it's achieved in such a short space of time, surely there's an element of uh, concern and, you know, and then you get some interesting um, answers to that. OK, um, we, we're going to end on a classic Heads Talk question. That that's usually tailored to, um, for the different C suites and to the different C suites. So, how has the CFO role morphed in recent years? I think you touched upon it a, a little bit, but and how do you think it will continue to change going forward?
1: I, I guess you know we, what I see in CFOs, I think before it was a lot about compliance topics, right? Really making sure that, you know the accounting mm-hmm. is correct and all these, and I think with technology and robust processes and systems, you know, this is probably taken care of quite, quite well. I think now the CFO is much more of how is the environment around us changing and what do we need to do to be able to respond to that and be equipped to still, you know, provide financial stability mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. to, to really equip, also help the organization to have more forward looking proactive um, and, and, analytics that that are helping to take the right decisions moving forward i think that's the biggest change that i'm seeing mm-hmm.
0: and what perhaps nicholas are you bracing yourself for what, what are you preparing yourself for if even if it's just mentally
1: yeah yeah. as yeah.
0: opposed to edu- uh, educating yourself what are you mentally preparing yourself for
1: i think i will prepare myself for really being more um the, the world around us is changing quicker and quicker right so you know if, if it's about technology is if it's about you know people's behaviors it's about um what what the world is doing around us i the one thing i see is that the change is accelerated so whatever we do we need to do in a way that we are able to respond to that change more quicker and more adequate so what i do personally is we need to increase the external focus versus really trying to you know find answers inside our organization, inside ourselves. So so you know, really the connectivity to our customers, to our patients, understanding what they're thinking of, what's the next thing to come, that's I think what is important for people who have really an impact on where the organization is heading at. Mm-hmm.
0: Mm-hmm. And and just just a quick thing, because it, it just popped into my head. Do you feel going forward when we talk about the C-suites, they're clear, the roles are clearly defined at the moment, but do you think going forward, there's going to be a blurring of the lines between the, the chief information officer and the, and the CFO? There's going to be a, a real blurring of the lines in terms of the roles such that there's, you almost have to sort of throw everything into the air in terms of the C-suites and then redefine what everyone's doing. Do you get the sense that that could potentially happen?
1: Um, short answer, yes. Long answer. I, I do think we still need these these roles because each of these roles will, you know, bring a different perspective. But what I do think is that we are moving into a space mm-hmm. where it's more important to really understand the impact. And if that's if the impact you're doing is beyond your own area of responsibility, then that can impact, you know, things outside of, of you know, let's say the, mm-hmm. the um, CFO space. So that's what i certainly see we're morphing into and i think that's a good development i mean with the whole change of less hierarchy you know more fluid workforce um really making an impact beyond your own area breaking down silos i mean we see in areas of our business we're really working more on work packages versus you know historically this is what your team is doing and you know don't step outside into we have this work who's passionate about it who can contribute and then this person will move those topics ahead so all these signs are showing me that you know the title of your role is becoming less important but the impact that you're creating mm. is, is what really matters mm-hmm.
0: Mm-hmm. excellent excellent nicholas cruz it, it was a, a pleasure to have you on heads talk many thanks for your time and insights
1: thank you elaine it was a pleasure
0: Thanks for joining me today on this episode of Heads Talk. Don't forget to subscribe to the show via my website, elainepringle.com forward slash Heads Talk, wherever you get your podcasts. Finally, I'd like to thank our sponsors, guests, and you, for helping to make the show possible. Please join me next time, where I'll be featuring more executives, C-suite leaders, and heads of international.
1: Heads Talk podcast with your host, Elaine Pringle Schwitter.